Well, hello, everyone. I am joined here today by Catherine Kretschmar. You might have an association with her uh, with Alex from Self Hosted. They've been kind enough to have me in their home this week, uh, which has been super fun. Uh, we've got to know each other a heck of a lot. And um, Catherine, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, how is it feeling being in a podcast seat? Because this might be one of your first experiences. This is definitely my first ever experience. Wow. And it feels more than a little weird to have a microphone <laughs> pointed straight at my face. You get used to it. It kind of fades into the foreground. Um, I hope hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the moment, it's staring right at me. <laughs> It becomes your friend eventually. Maybe. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me in doing this. Uh, I know uh, we're kind of squeezing it in last minute. I'm leaving tomorrow, but this is a real treat that we're able to do this. So thanks. I wanted to ask you a question about being here in this home specifically. Uh, I've gotten to get a taste of Alex's sort of environment, of course, was self-hosted and everything that he does uh, in his curiosities around automation, home automation, and uh, his day job at Red Hat and things like that. Um, of course, the home has a feel of that kind of stuff, right? Some experimenting and tinkering happening a little bit all the time. Yeah, just a little. Uh, how is that for you as someone's spouse who has to kind of live in that space and deal with the technology on a daily basis? Well, I mean, obviously I'm married to him, so I'm quite fond of his, of him being him um, and all of them. I don't think I can underestimate how much, how many little projects he has on the go at any one time, whether it's 3D printing something or physically woodworking and making things or all of the self-hosted server building home automation things. Um, so because of that, I think what most people don't realise is that it's constantly changing mm, right? and that you're asking me at the moment for a snapshot <laughs> in time of November 2019. And probably if you were to ask me again, in a month's time, especially since Alex will have had some time off for Thanksgiving and Christmas, everything will have changed. Right. Um, because he loves playing with it and upgrading it. And that's, I think, the fun for him. It's not having a finished system. And all of these things are constantly evolving, which is kind of the beauty of them, right? Yeah. It's like there's always something more to learn, something more to upgrade. Something. And it's always improving. Right. Um. And occasionally things break along the way. And I, I try not to compare it with a standard home. Oh, it's finished. It's not. It, it's not. It's a, the whole house is a project. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and I suppose you kind of have to just sort of accept that if you're going to yeah. live there, right? Um, and he's very aware of things that are essential and things that are not. If it's something to do with, say, the heating or the air conditioning, he is very careful mm. not to leave it in a half finished state because we don't want to be overheating yes. on a hundred degree day in or the middle of, yeah or underheating but things like lights where there's actually a switch somewhere if they're currently in upgrade mode that's fine because i can just go and use the switch <laughs> like a peasant <laughs> <laughs> a lowly um 
not Alex, maybe. Um, I found myself the other morning, I, I woke up a little bit earlier than both you. I think you might have been out of the house, actually, at that point. And I found myself trying to figure out how to turn the TV on. And because, <laughs> yeah. and because, uh, because I, I have only been here a few days, that's never anything I had to do before. And, uh, and Alex was sleeping and I didn't want to wake him. So I was like, hmm, okay, I think I can figure this out. So I tried, you know, the obvious remotes and things like that and nothing was working. I was like, okay. I imagine this is probably plugged into something that is automated, right? And sure enough, I had to like reach to the back and hit the uh, the switch on mm-hmm. whatever he's got back there. Um, and it all worked, which is fine. But that sort of backup yeah. is certainly appreciated, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I imagine that leads to the success, the eventual success of these integrations, for you into your lifestyle because it's like okay if it doesn't work during the like experimentation phase okay well maybe it's a bit more of a pain but it yeah. eventually gets there right yeah it's not the end of the world yeah um there are some things that have not changed in a while because some things have been actually i'd say the tv is a pretty safe bet okay you just say turn on tv and that one has worked for a good few years now and has not changed but the tv used to be one of those ones that Maybe five years ago, maybe more than that, maybe more like eight years ago, used to frustrate me, mm-hmm. I have to say, because sometimes I'd get to the point where I just can't make this thing work. And he would be out of work or something. And I'd end up with like, propping the iPad up. Oh, like you're on an airplane or something. Yeah, just sat on the table with his iPad propped up, just like, I've given up. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, especially during those moments when you would just want to relax, typically around the television, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's actually led me to being more productive. Like a couple of occasions, I can't get this thing to turn on. Right, I'll have to go and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's happened for at least five years okay. since the TV is. Uh, I mean, back in the old days, there was no uh, home assistant. Alex was doing all of this with um, various different apps and I see. Um, little weird bits of electronic circuit boards that are, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just see him soldering things and nod and smile. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it was a bit piecemeal before. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he tried to integrate like an Xbox. They had some sort of home automation thing back in the day. Uh, he tried to use that, but it wasn't very good. And the whole uh, voice recognition back then wasn't very good. Yeah, it's come a long way. Yeah. And then he went through a period where he had one of those Harmony remote that had about a million buttons on. Oh, and he yeah. programmed all of them to do different things with lights. With So you had to use the one, the one remote to rule them all to do everything. And that, that was pretty good. Okay. But it could get itself turned in knots sometimes as a device. How does it feel for you now that some of those things are more stable? Like, has it brought a quality of life to you specifically uh, that you appreciate? Yeah, actually. I don't think I realize it until I go maybe stay in other people's homes. And then I realize, I think one of the big ones that I love is that I can lie in bed and say, lights out. And I don't have to get up and I don't have to remember to turn the main light off mm-hmm. before I get into bed. I don't mm-hmm. have to reach over when I'm really comfy and settled and turn the light off on the nightstand. And then I, we go and stay in a hotel and I'm, 
I'm irritated by the fact I have to move to turn the lights out. It sounds like a little thing to anyone who hasn't experienced it, but... It's a real quality of life upgrade to not have to do that. Absolutely. And I've experienced that here as well. We've kind of got into a groove and Alex will typically say, you know, lights out. Uh, Bedtime routine. Right. And then 20 minutes later, like the lights just slowly dim down in the entire house. So uh, uh, it's lovely. That actually was in order to try and manipulate us. Okay. Because we had this tendency that we would go to bed and then we would both sit there. I would sit there reading a book and I would read until far too late. Mm. And he would be reading Reddit or articles online and thinking of things, which sometimes led to him jumping back out of bed and go, oh, I've got an idea. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so it was kind of our way of being stricter with ourselves to make ourselves have a better sleep work balance yeah, and like, not lie in bed for two hours reading a book when I need to be up in the morning. So we say bedtime routine and we get a reply, bedtime routine initiated. And that gives us enough time to let the dog out, come back in and the lights are out in 20 minutes and we go to sleep. And you're can't. also out in 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's good. Um, it's got to the point where the dog now hears that hmm. and he jumps up and walks to the back door because <laughs> he knows bedtime routine means that he has to go out first wow. and he goes out and then he just trots to the bedroom that's fascinating because i you know when you look at some home automation stuff when you're uneducated perhaps uh it feels like or uninitiated maybe is the better I word like uninitiated, um yeah. it feels like it's a bit maybe gimmicky or like just some superfluous Mm. technology um but to hear that it's actually affecting your quality of sleep therefore your quality of life in the morning and those kind of things and also you know archie your dog's uh, routines as well then it kind of points to the power that some of this can have even if it's simply turning lights off right um but it can really change things for you yeah we also have one that gets to 11 15 and just gently dims the lights uh in the main house to kind of give us a a hint a hint or and to make us start feeling more sleepy because okay. um if you're in a bright environment you're less likely to be feeling ready to go to bed mm-hmm. especially if you're looking at a tv and seeing all that blue light of course um so if you dim them and make them more like an orangey color because most of our lights are leds so we can control the color okay. as well as the brightness so we change it to make it warmer and that actually makes you feel more ready to go to bed as well. You know, it feels like um, having our environment, you know, our artificial environment, our homes and things like that start to mimic the natural environment in ways that works for our evolved body, right? Yeah. Uh, is Just trying to make it feel more like sunset. Yeah, exactly. It feels like finally... We're figuring that out, right? Yeah, um, we're not fighting it. We're mm-hmm. embracing the technology to help us live more naturally <laughs> in our homes. Which is the whole objective of technology, I think, right? Yeah. Is to up our quality of life. And so if it can help our circadian rhythms and those kind of things, <laughs> then bring it on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some educational stuff you're jumping into recently. Yeah. Can you give us a tour of that? 
Um, so I'm sure lots of people have heard of these like online things um, like to learn coding, coding boot camps. <laughs> um, mine's not an online one that I'm doing. I'm okay. doing an in-person uh, it's a course. There's about 20 people in the class. It's a six-month course um, run by the university here, nice. uh, University of North Carolina. And um, I think it's something that I've thought of in the back of my head for quite a few years now. And I have learnt some HTML and CSS by myself before now and could make a sort of basic web page and things. And it does, I think, come from living with Alex. And he went through doing his master's in computer science. And I would sort of proofread his code and okay. debug it a bit for him. And he was oh, that's like, fun. you're really good at this. Hmm. You have the right brain that just fixes and just sees how it works. And I think it may be in a different life if I hadn't gone down the music route. It might have been, well, I probably would have done like maths and science. That was the other things I was doing at A-level. I was doing like maths, further maths and music and things. Because um, they're related, right? They are related. Yeah, in many yeah. ways. They're very similar. Um, I was also doing chemistry as well. Um, but I went the music way. But I, it's sort of been sitting sitting there in my head since that time when he was doing his masters and when he was a junior developer, and he was if he had ever had stuff he brought home like it wouldn't work, and I was no that means that because logically that's that that, and he's like Catherine, <laughs> you'd be really good at this, <laughs> um, and I really enjoy that sort of puzzle solving. Um, You've probably seen me when I watch TV. I don't actually watch TV. I sit there and do Solve like puzzles. <laughs> I, yeah, I do um, like logic puzzles and yeah. things. Yeah, those um, Beyond Sudoku. <laughs> that's a great book. Has all sorts of really like all different logic puzzles that are all unusual. Great book. Um, <laughs> it sounds like solving puzzles is something you can't get away from. Yeah, and so and with these things, he's like, why don't you? just and so i've tried to i've tried to learn some by myself um as i said i have a basic understanding of html css and stuff and could do a basic website um and i tried to learn some java hmm. but without kind of some structure or an end goal or just projects to do that i don't have to think of myself i've kind of run up against a wall okay um, so I thought, let's try more formal things. So I applied to this um, coding course, and so far, I think we're on like week four. So okay. I haven't. I'm not a long way through the six months, but having deadlines, <laughs> having three classes a week to go to, so it's about ten hours a week um, of classes, and homework you have to do every yes. week and submit on a Saturday. Consequences, right? Yeah, has actually been very rewarding. But at the beginning of the week, I thought, I can't, how am I going to make one of them? <laughs> I can't make it. The last one was making a password generator. So you had to make a website that if you click on a button, it generate, it generates a password um, 
however many length characters the person wants if they want uppercase lowercase special whatever whatever mixture uh, and it generates it it puts it on the website and you can copy it to the clipboard and onto your phone or your computer or Great. something and i when they first told me that i was i can't do that i can't do that <laughs> i mean i can make a pretty looking thing that looks like it would do a password generator but yeah four days later i did manage to do it so that must feel pretty cool yeah a little stressful at times that particular one but well pushing just outside of your comfort zone is stressful but in all of the best ways right yeah and a sense of achievement on yeah. saturday when i finished it at 5 p.m and i had until midnight so i had, I had hours in the bag if <laughs> 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 you anyway um how does that feel for you for your end goal like you were mentioning that having something formal and an end goal like that was a helpful thing. Does it feel like you're going to learn a heck of a lot in the next six th- months minus four weeks, right? Yeah, I think I am. So I'm in the first two weeks, we've, we did a very brief overview of HTML and CSS, which you had a bit of experience, which I had a bit of experience with as well. And honestly, most of the people on the course also knew a reasonable amount of, uh, I was quite surprised to find that most people on the course are not complete. It's not just random people that have never coded before. Okay. Uh, so there's at least five people that actually work in the tech industry for their day jobs and have been sent on it by their companies and things. Oh, there's, right. There's someone that works for GitHub that's on there. <laughs> cool. Uh, You're in good company, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, there's somebody that works for a local radio station um, as a web um, designer okay. and she just did does front end but they want her to become a full stack stack right developer so they've wow. sent her on the course to upgrade her skills so we'll by the end we'll have learned javascript jquery angular um bootstrap sql um can't think of anything Others. else other loads of other stuff that's probably the next two months <laughs> yeah it sounds like it'll give you uh, like a overview in a in a kind of a shallow toolbox of all these different yeah. pieces and then you can kind of dive in from there on the ones that yeah. interest you or or the ones that are necessary Definitely. For i don't think they're ever saying that you're going to be an expert or any of those no, of technologies course. but you'll know enough to know what to google mm, that's so important too right because it gives you an avenue to to self-learn really. yeah or know enough to know which what areas interest you and where you want to go and where you want to dive in and learn more of course. Well, I can't wait to hear where you're going to dive into in six months. Yeah, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> and, and no, no ideas, no temptations? I was surprised to find that this is going to sound very odd <laughs> for me. I actually really like doing some of the front end things and oh, making yeah. it look pretty and change for different size screens and that sort of okay. stuff. Um and I had more of an eye for that than I thought I did. I never thought of myself as a particularly creative sort of person, honestly. I would argue that. But, <laughs> but I've, I found that actually really quite pleasant, sitting, trying to work out which sizes and designing um, and putting it together and styling. So far, I've only done, you know, front-end stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't know yet. But <laughs> um, I think I find the JavaScript not too hard. Um, the logic behind it, it seems like a simple version of Java, which I have done a bit of. What I, I was know. impressed by, 
something I picked up on. You showed me your little password manager, which I've never created one of those. So kudos to you, um, was that, yeah, it worked really well and it was beautiful and all of those things. But there's something that you said that I picked up on, which is you described how maybe it wasn't the best password manager in terms of security. So I noticed that you're picking up on like the back end of things that are... Yeah, I did. Um, I think it could be eminently hackable because <laughs> one way I managed to push my soul, my password back to the HTML was I put dot inner HTML and that could be very easily hacked by right. a very simple script because almost any website could have that particular. True. It wasn't very specific, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first step, right? And then you can harden it from there. But yeah. I think the real value there is you're seeing, okay, here's the next way I can improve this. Um, and that's a huge indicator that you're just going to keep diving in. I think the way that Alex has that insatiable curiosity is also in you, it sounds like, right? <laughs> yeah, not not to the quite the same extent. Um, I don't manage to have the blinkers on life that he can have sometimes. But the the great thing I've noticed is that you're both different and yet you overlap enough that they're really complementary, which is really sweet. Yeah. It, I find this kind of weird because when we first met, we were both studying music. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, and now we're at a place where we are not really doing music. I mean, music is still my day job. I teach music six days a week, so but I don't do music at any high level mm, anymore. Mm, okay. I do very much the basics with small, small child after small child after small child. <laughs> and the occasional adult like And me. the occasional <laughs> adult, yeah. Brent had a piano lesson with me. <laughs> My first ever, which is really he was, brilliant. He was really very good. Thank you. Uh, and he should be a musician. Oh, um, <laughs> who knows what my six months will bring? Because <laughs> uh, he's definitely got an ear for it. Mm, thank um, you. Yeah, you can hear when things were wrong. A lot of people just blindly just keep, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> See, and I don't know that, so I was just being me, right? And, yeah, uh, but you were listening to what you were playing <laughs> and realized when. The melody didn't sound like you expected it mm. to sound. Or I think at one point, just your chord didn't fit with my bass line. Right. You picked up on that instantly and went, ooh, and changed. <laughs> but some people, most people, oh. have to learn to listen as they play uh. and are too focused on just... The mechanics? Or? Mechanics of okay. it, I think. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I'm blushing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's really curious to me in that is that connection between... Uh, a lot of these different topics we've been talking about, like you mentioned music, you've been, you know, you have quite a bit of education in music. Um, yeah, can you walk us through that a little <laughs> bit? I've been playing since I was very small, okay. about six. I went to a junior conservatoire as a teenager in London and traveled down to London every Saturday. I went to Junior Guildhall, um, followed by a scholarship to RNCM, Royal nice. Northern College of Music, where I did... Uh, undergraduate degree and I did a master's in solo performance um graduated in the middle of a recession as a freelance musician <laughs> yeah right not the easiest thing <laughs> yeah yes I'm a solo bassoonist um <laughs> ready for hire <laughs> uh I spent a year working in Sainsbury's and doing the odd freelance gig that didn't pay mm. enough to 
live off. That's how it goes with freelancing at first. Yeah. Um, the economy just seemed to be getting worse. This was like 2008. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> uh, and made the decision because the UK government at the time were giving very generous bursaries to train to be a teacher. So I did a teaching PGCE. And since then, I've mostly just been doing classroom music teaching. Okay. Um, we moved to London. Uh, I was doing some of that, the occasional freelance gigs still, make a little bit of money, and some uh, teaching at the evenings and weekends. Right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't where I was in- intended to become, but well, I think that's what most is, people, right? I think I'm sure most people say that um, about what they hope to achieve and what they do actually achieve. Hmm. I think what's probably important there is being flexible and open to other options right yeah i really quite enjoy can enjoy teaching (laughs) sometimes enjoy the teaching okay um what i was going to wrap that in with was how it's curious to me how both you and alex have a musical background um and you both seem to enjoy this problem solving of puzzles and that kind of thing or at least exploring them um and it's related now a little bit to the tech world as well do you think like there's something about a musical mind that ties all of that together i don't know if it's a musical mind but maybe they're just kind of similar Mm. like brain patterns yeah okay um like pattern recognition or something yeah i think so i actually think um at least some of the coding I've been doing is more creative than mm. music. I, I, <laughs> wow. But I, I did very much classical music. Yeah. I've never really dabbled in jazz or I've never learned to play the guitar or anything like that. Okay. So I was very much hardcore classical orchestra sort of music, which is very strict and full of rules. Mm-hmm. And you'll realise that you've been in an orchestra rehearsal for three hours and haven't said a single word. <laughs> because you're not allowed to talk (laughs) right Uh, you mentioned that it it feels like it has more creativity um where are the areas where you felt like you've been able to be creative because usually in education uh you know you have very specific problems to solve um but you feel like you've had some wiggle room in there i think that the problems are specific but there's been several different solutions oh that's nice and i've gone down one route and realised or seen that there could be several routes to achieve the same outcome. Um, sometimes I haven't seen all of them and I'm like, oh, oh, wow, they've done it a completely different way to me. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so part of the thing on the course is they quite often give you like a 20 minute, very short exercise um, fix this or make this or they give you a web page and they say okay make the buttons actually do what the buttons are supposed to do right or something um and the way i've done it has been one way and the way the teacher has done it is he sort of codes it out at the same time and then he lets you see it after the 20 minutes so he stands there typing away doing the same exercise as you are and the way he's done it is completely different and the way the person next to me's done it is completely different and yet the end goal is achieved yeah at one time, I even managed a, I think, more elegant one than Ooh. the teacher. And I put some, mine in like three lines of code in a nice little loop and he wrote, wrote all his out. Nice. Admittedly, I think he was distracted by eating Chick-fil-A at the time. <laughs> 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 but I think there's like, 
I find that to be, uh, it's something I really appreciate in coding. I did a little bit myself and, um, that it can be so creative. Like most people who haven't had a taste of it yet don't see it as very creative. It's like, you know, you sit in front of a chair and type into a screen all day. But the reality is if you can wrap your mind around that problem and just dive right in, that creativity is like such an amazing outlet, right? Yeah. To express yourself in many ways. Um, even though it may not seem like that to someone who hasn't had that opportunity. Yeah. I don't think I got that until I'd dived in a little a little deeper and right. thought, oh. Well, and I imagine the more complex your problems are, the more more interesting your solution could be. And the more creative it maybe it needs to be, right? Yeah. Like sometimes the creative solutions are the most elegant looking ones. Mm. And sometimes they just look a bit janky and packed <laughs> together. <laughs> you hope to aim for the first one. Yeah, of course. Sometimes you have to get to, to the second one before you can loop back around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I wanted to mention uh, also that you and Alex had a bit of a, an anniversary yesterday, an unusual anniversary. Um, you had, you were we were discussing that hard drive failure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that happened. And so Alex was telling me that, uh, and if you listen to the brunch that I did with Alex, he mentions this specific hard drive failure that happened to him on a Seagate drive. Was it eight years ago? Yes. Um, I don't think we're allowed to say the word Seagate in this house. <laughs> and, uh, and that changed. Everything. Yeah. So how did that change everything? Um, so before that, he was quite happy having, I don't think it occurred to him or us not to just have stuff, store it on a hard drive. It was as simple as that until this hard drive started going click. Yes. Click. You know click. the sound too. <laughs> <laughs> and we lost everything that was on it. Oh. And it was one of a batch. They'd bought all the same hard drives. And then the others started making click noises. And Alex was oh, thinking, no. oh no, I'm going to lose. Because the first one, all we lost was know, some ripped CDs or something. Oh, that's lucky. But they knew that on the other ones, he had photographs on and he had things that were completely irreplaceable. So the hunt began <laughs> for a better solution right and he bought like a synology nas and um that then led to him thinking no this is this isn't the best solution either and this was back in i don't know about 2008 okay. no no this would be 2009 i think um while i was doing teacher training of course <laughs> So I was pretty much out of the house and working all the time because if anyone else has done a PGCE in the UK, it's pretty full on. Okay. Um, so he was left with time and empty thought space to come up with a better solution. And he m met online, met <laughs> some uh, a chap called Stephen from Georgia and... I always call him the dog because he, he had an avatar of the dog. Um, <laughs> so in um, in our house, if you ever hear conversation about the dog. Right. It's not. It's, it's not, not actually Archie. our dog. No. Um, <laughs> um, so they started talking online and Alex just went into this headlong, deep dive into virtualization. Wow. And having um, 
virtual machines on his computer as his way of um, solving problems, solving problems, and having multiple systems running and having um, hard drives and backup hard drives and um, I can't remember the name of that system that he uses. It probably is constantly evolving. <laughs> it has changed a few times and I've had it explained and I've been drawn diagrams and I just can't remember the name of it. <laughs> and so that, he was working as a genius at the Apple store at the time, just fixing computers, right. which he still likes to do. He was loving repairing my X250 that I got he recently. He, he was having so much fun. <laughs> um, he's, he's now decided that he's going to buy broken computers and put them in our bonus room closet and just fix them when he feels bored. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, feels or like in doing, need of some therapy. Right? Yeah, doing something physical with his hands. Um. So and he did he did all the virtualization and storage stuff and had NASes with different dividers and I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> can see how much I know about this stuff. Um in his own time and he did all this virtualization stuff and he got really, really, really into it. And to the point where he was like, I need to know everything that could possibly be to know about this. Back in the day, before Docker, before containers, before most of these things were done. And so then he had to play with hardware because a lot of the hardware you could buy at that point, you couldn't do virtualization on it. Oh, okay. Um, not like today when most These things... are the golden ages we're in, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but back then he had, he had to swap out his motherboard for a different one, for one that, and then he had to work out what was compatible with it. And so we went through a whole computer building era where we had to find the best <laughs> components that we could actually do the virtualization that he wanted to do. All right. And this conversation with this guy and all this learning led to him saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a genius. It's fun. I like fixing computers, but this isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, his grandmother had passed away not that long in that period, not long before that. And she had left him some money, like £5,000. That's amazing. And it was actually his mum's idea. And she said, why don't you go back to university? <laughs> and by the way, did you know that the course at the University of East Anglia is £5,000? <laughs> that seems lucky so it or seemed, serendipitous yeah so it just seemed like something that had to be done and that kind of kick-started his change of career he still kept on being really interested in all the of course. storage and still is and still is always has been and um, when docker came on the scene he jumped in on that if you look behind you you can probably see the docker con whale yeah i from, do <laughs> uh, we're in alex's office currently yeah, from back when he was so excited about that though. Um, he took, we both went to Barcelona to go to DockerCon because oh, wow. he was desperate to go and find out everything container. Um, it's two, 2015, 2014. I okay. don't know. It says on it somewhere. And all of that led to where, all of that, where you are now, right? Yeah. Which is you've emigrated here and yep. jumped from one, you know, from one continent to the next. Yes. <laughs> um, and now you're in the US. And how is it being here? Uh, like, is there a culture difference? I know you Definitely. mentioned right before we had this conversation, you asked, should I try to speak more American during our conversation? Yeah. Well, I've 
in the last year, I've got used to translating my inner thoughts, just the odd word, the okay. odd concept, and changing them for the American version, especially since I teach children um, as young as four or five. Right. And if I started talking about primary school or a rubber, they <laughs> would have no idea what I was talking about. So I've trained myself to translate like, oh, when I was in sixth grade at elementary school, right. even though I didn't, <laughs> but translating it, <laughs> translating all my words that have different ones. So you've picked up on like where people give you strange looks, which words people yeah, don't quite. Most of the time. <laughs> Occasionally uh, I say one and everyone looks at you and I realize, ah, that's one I haven't. Mm -hmm. The other day I said paracetamol. Oh yeah, I know not what that is. <laughs> um, I think it's acetaminophen here. Oh yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I said that a couple of times and I realised that the person I was talking to was just looking at me. <laughs> what was she talking about? <laughs> I don't think they knew if it was a British thing or if it was just them not knowing something of and course. they didn't want to <laughs> say. I was actually talking about cowpol, which is paracetamol in like sugar syrup that you give to little kids really because her her two-year-old daughter was having earache and i was I like see. oh in england we'll just give them some cowpole <laughs> she's like what's cowpole what's paracetamol <laughs> i find those cultural differences like in language they're pretty obvious but there are also like cultural differences which you may or may not have picked up on yet in like different um technological communities like, I think what you'll begin to learn in your education is like each, um, each community based around different technologies have like these words and these like tendencies that are culture in themselves. And sometimes you have to like, uh, do the translation between them. If you're, if you're working between Navigate those Navigate between them and swim yeah. from one to another. Which I find totally fascinating. Um, yeah. I, and I don't know why that is, but. You know, I guess that's us as humans. We always want to put in our own personality on everything. Or, no, we've both come up to the, come up with the same idea separately, and so <laughs> and given called it, it something different. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's. I think feel like that's a way. A, a lot of the reason between the British American things okay. are different because they've just come up with it separately, right? And given it different words. I think the words are easier to deal with than like the cultural differences. Can you give me an example of? A cultural difference that feels trickier? I have to remember not to swear as much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially in the South. Okay. Um, it's fine with your friends. Yeah. But in Britain, I wouldn't feel too worried about swearing in front of like a parent or something. Right. Not obviously about, um, but a swear word slipping in, I wouldn't. <laughs> but I'm very careful not to, because it would, yeah, you'd get a you'd get an odd look a different reaction here yeah it's like less accepted yeah i feel like that which is i've realized that british people swear a lot <laughs> <laughs> so you're learning things about yourself as well <laughs> yeah i thought it was normal um until i realized that other people didn't right uh, and like the conversations i have with my my parents I see people here like you talk to your parents like that <laughs> yeah where that's just totally it's commonplace just normal, yeah I think you'd find probably a similar reaction in Canada um, is that we approach the the American acceptance of swearing, um, which I wonder, like, does it make it 
more potent when you do use it, you know? If you're maybe using it in regular conversation, does it lose a little bit of the I think it does actually. Hmm. Yeah. Well if you hear someone else, then they don't normally because they're a nice southern person that's right. been brought up well and are very polite. And you hear them, you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of a shock. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question. If you had an ask for anybody who's listening, something you'd like them to try or think about or do perhaps, um, is there something that comes to mind? So one of the things I was I was doing before I moved here um, was I was actually a humanist celebrant. Really? Yeah. Can you describe <laughs> what a humanist celebrant is for us? Um, so they conduct, uh, in my case, funerals, but they can do baby namings and weddings. Mm. Um, you will also need a person in the UK from the council if you're doing, having a wedding. They haven't had it, so you don't need that yet. But, okay. um, and they conduct ceremonies and they have particular worldview that is not related to government and is not related to mm. religion and right. just believes that you should be good for your own sake for the sake of the wider community that you live in um the world community your local community and that yeah it's devoid from other things and okay. it's sort of a, a way of looking at the world and being good to animals and humans mm. and plants and just trying to be a good person. So being so, truly all-inclusive. Yeah. Um, I would say if anybody hasn't heard of that, that they should look it up and check it out because I think it's amazing. <laughs> well, can I ask you a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first, what attracted you to to diving into this topic? And uh, Honestly, it, my, it was when my dad died oh. and he was very staunchly aggressively atheist okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm not saying humanists are, i'm not saying i am um but we were struggling to think of what to do for his hmm. funeral service and not to include anything that he wouldn't want because they're typically tied to a religion yeah, or some kind of they usually are tied mm -hmm. to a religion even now and you get these people that have not really been a church in 20 years and they end up having a priest that doesn't know them say, of course. do a funeral service and, I've, and that led us to searching on the internet and finding out about these humanist services which can be they're very very bespoke um, and they can be anything you want and they can show the person's personality wow um, there's been some when I did my training I heard about all these random ones where people <laughs> got brought up in their um, their rally car um, and their coffin was sort of jammed in the back and the, they drove it into the crematorium and they had no speeches, but they just had 40 minutes of metal music. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that guy wanted. Fine. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like a way of really personalizing the entire process. Yeah, it can be whatever. Which sounds like that's kind of the point anyways, right? Yeah. Um, so that's about the type of services mm. you get for the humanists do but when i found out more about it i realized it wasn't just 
a service that you could go online and order a person to come and do your <laughs> funeral service. Right. Although we did have a chap come to our house and he was absolutely lovely. He was a, he was a retired vet. Oh, wow. And um, as in veterinarian, yes. not as in veteran. <laughs> um, and see, translation. Yes. Uh, he came to our house and he was one of the nicest people mm. ever. And he was, and it, he, we could just, he let us do what we wanted and wrote this unbelievably pleasant tribute of a man he hadn't met, but he wow. gleaned. He talked to us for like an hour and a half and found out everything he could and just got a picture of my dad and made, wrote this wonderful thing. That sounds like quite a skill in itself. It's like getting to know someone that deeply and to be able to reflect their personality in a way that even their loved ones find yeah. touching. That yeah. sounds like a real gift. And that was most of what the training was focused on, was okay. actually that interviewing skills oh, wow. and um, writing skills and take, taking that information and writing it into um, a document. Mm -hmm. um, but when I found out more that it wasn't just a, you know, pay for a man to come to do your thing, <laughs> that it was actually just this whole way of life that it, it isn't a religion, it isn't a political, it's just a, a view of the world that's <laughs> really very nice. And you can pick and choose and you don't have to, you're not like, I am a humanist. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, and you don't go to, it's not like you go to meetings, it's not like becoming a Jehovah's Witness or something, right. like you have to <laughs> assign yourself to this. <laughs> it's just a way of looking at the world and it's, just a very, very uplifting way of looking at the world. Mm. They believe you have one life and it's up to you to do the best you can and to enjoy it and to live it the best you can and to and um, not worry about the rules of, of religion or of uh, a country. It's to worry about the people closest to you, the animals, the plants, your environment. Are you doing the best you can for them? Are you improving the lives of those around you yeah what an important question for all of us right yeah um with you know you can apply it pretty broadly too like just as you were speaking i was thinking okay you could apply that to your closest loved ones of course but when you mention things like environment and plants and animals and things like that it feels like okay well you could apply that also to archie your dog right and you can apply it to the direct environment around you like your yard or something like that but also to the greater environment like look at what is a hot topic now of you know clim the climate crisis and things like that so um it sounds almost like a personalized philosophy yeah in a way that yeah. you get to craft and change as you evolve as well definitely um, that you can apply in a really positive way yeah and it's not prescriptive right and it's not rules sent down from somebody or something above it's from you're only doing it for yourself it's like introspective yeah well since i went through this journey i've consciously found myself thinking no that that's being a bit selfish mm. you should no you can do better than that <laughs> and trying to be a better nicer person so it sounds like it's really pushed you in all the right directions yeah in many ways you know and you get to define what right means in that context yeah Exactly. Well, thank you. That I'm going to have to dive in more with that, but that sounds like a really important place to put your mind and heart to start 
some kind of adventure, right? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for sitting down with me and doing this chat. It's been super lovely and I hope people really enjoy our conversation. It's gone in places that we didn't expect. And that's the best part, right? <laughs> um, I think that's really a treat. So, so thanks for being on the journey with me. 